We like keeping connected with our Congress people as well over in D.C. And one joins us now, Congressman Rodney Davis. Uh, thanks for taking time. How are things over in Washington, D.C. this morning? You know, it's going well. A little chilly out here, Greg, but it's uh, it's great to be on with you today, my friend. So um, some uh, sad news to pass along this morning to our listeners. Uh, Sangamon County Republican Chairman uh, Rosemary Long passed away. You know, she did, and uh, that's a big loss for our Sangamon County Republican Party, but it's a big loss for the entire Sangamon County community. Uh, Rose was just the nicest, most dedicated person you could ever meet who wanted to get people involved in in good government. Um, You know, I've said it before, and I I spoke with her son and offered my condolences to the family late last night when I found out about it. And, and, um, you know, I told him, I would not be in Congress today without Rosemary Long believing in me and that I could be a member of Congress. She was that influential to me and Darren LaHood and Tim Butler, Mike Murphy, and and, uh, Senator McClure, all the... All of the Sangamon County members of the General Assembly and in Congress, we all need to thank Rose for her leadership. And and uh, it's just devastating to hear that she passed. Yeah, and the limited interactions I had had with her, uh, she always seemed to be even keeled, uh, not letting uh, her emotions override, but still being stern in, in what she believed in. And I think that that's um, a, a lesson that a lot of people in this day and age can probably take. Absolutely. Look, uh, if Rose was here, she'd tell you, sometimes I let my emotions get the best of me. And she was a, a great barometer to say, hang on, let's take a step back. Uh, let's let's realize what's best uh, for not just Sangamon County, what's best for our state, what's best for our country. And and uh, gosh, I'm going to miss her. It was it was brutal yesterday when I got that text from Brad and that uh, Rose had passed. We knew she had been sick. We knew that she had a very rough battle with COVID at the same time her husband didn't have as rough a battle. Um, and the complications, she just couldn't recover. And I, I'm still I'm still devastated by it, Craig. Condolences to the family, uh, absolutely, and uh, everybody here from the, uh, the Midwest family family as well. Uh, Congressman Rodney Davis joining us here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Uh, and, Congressman, uh, to talk a little bit about that kind of even-keeled approach and having civil discourse uh, things in Washington, D.C., uh, they, they seem to be more divided now than ever. Uh, what's the atmosphere like, the political atmosphere uh, in, in Congress right now? It's pretty toxic, Greg. Probably uh, the worst it's been, and, and uh, that's saying something. You know, uh, it, it's it's frustrating because I do believe the Democratic leadership, Speaker Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, and they 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 pride themselves as institutionalists. They they say they want to make Congress work better, and all they're doing is trying to to continue to keep the partisan temperatures high, because they realize that if there's more bipartisanship, it creates headaches for them with the small majorities they have. So if they get everybody thinking politics before policy, then they don't have to worry about losing five votes and losing, uh, you know, their prerogatives being addressed. Uh, You know, today they're they're going to, for the first time, uh, try to kick a member of the other party off of her committees. Look, I think what Marjorie Taylor Greene did before she got to Congress and said about QAnon and these other goofy conspiracies was stupid and wrong. And she admitted it last night, too. But to allow the other party and to set a precedent, to allow the other party to kick people off committees, this just sets a terrible precedent for 
Congresses to come, and 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 I just think it's a sad day. How do you think Republicans will fall on that, though? Because there does seem to be uh, somewhat of a of a uh, a fracture within the Republican Party, uh, including when talking about Liz Cheney, uh, and you've got Adam Kinzinger now as well, uh, and some of the other members that voted uh, with Democrats to impeach President Trump. Um, what does that say about the Republican Party internally? Hey, look, you know, I joked last night that we, we were all a menagerie of misfit toys in the room. But you know what? We're the misfits. You're our misfits and you're our toys. And, and we're the ones that are trying to get the country moving in the right direction in the midst of this partisan rhetoric and the heated moments that uh, the Democrats are continuing to foment in the House. You know, it's it's OK to have a big tent. It's OK to have people that you don't agree with 100 percent of the time that are members of your house conference. Heck, you know, my wife can tell you she doesn't agree with me 100% of the time, but it doesn't mean we're going to kick her out of committees. You know, Liz Cheney won last night and kept her conference uh, kept her conference chair spot by a huge margin. That should send a message. We're a lot more unified than what the 24-hour news cycle wants you to think. You know, it's frustrating because many of the colleagues who are against Liz I've had to answer for some of the comments they've made, and and they'll argue, you know, it's not about, you know, it can't be about them because they're not in leadership. My point is, many of them, I've been jonesing for a leadership position for years, which is why we have to answer to some of the dumb things they've said. But in, you know, and also in, in addition to this, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a freshman member of Congress who just got sworn in on January 3rd, stood up in front of every Republican. Many she doesn't know, but I got to know her and all the freshmen because I ran orientation for the freshmen in November and December. She got up and said, you know what? I was wrong. I would said some dumb things before I got elected to Congress. I regret it. Isn't that what we want in politics? A little more humility? Yeah, uh, some some humility and, and recognition of uh, when things uh, you, you aren't correct uh, that you might say or do. Uh, we're talking with Congressman Rodney Davis here on the WMAY morning news feed. And Congressman, uh, you've got uh, another issue as well with uh, continued presence of National Guard. Uh, last time I had you on, I neglected to ask you about the increased security uh, for members of Congress. Uh, where are we at on that and what messages does that send to the American people? Well, honestly, Greg, this is nothing new for me and many of my colleagues, you know, after the baseball field shooting a few years ago um, and the heated, uh, you know, the, the, the heated protests that we as Republicans endured during the 2018 cycle and the increased threats. You know, it, it caused us to get a different security posture when we were at home and elsewhere. Um, unfortunately, that's even been increased after we saw the the. Uh, the riots and violence on January 6th, and rightfully so. Um, we're going to have to have a long-term discussion on what security looks like around the Capitol and, and have to do it in a way that's going to work long-term. Uh, I, I was on a long call with uh, the Speaker's appointed security review consultant, General Russell Honore. You might remember him from Hurricane Katrina, very blunt-talking general that helped coordinate that, re- that uh, recovery effort. And, and he's put together a really good team. Terry Gaynor, the former state police director in Illinois, a former Capitol Police chief, and a former Senate sergeant at arms. This is a guy and his team that General Honore put together are people that know the jobs that failed before January 6th to recognize 
address and share the intelligence threats. So I, I'm interested to see in what in seeing what they put together, and then we can then we can wait to Monday morning quarterback what they recommend and try to make sure it works. Um, but our Capitol police officers they're exhausted. They are exhausted from the fight on January 6th, but since then, too, the increased security posture. Our National Guard folks are exhausted, too. They didn't expect to be out here in D.C. uh, as long as they have been, and and frankly, many of them have jobs to go back to. So we have to have a better long-term plan than what we're working under. Congressman Rondi Davis with us here on the WMAY Morning News Feed, and I appreciate you uh, running the gamut here of all the questions. There's just a lot going on, uh, and I don't think it's really going to slow down much, uh, especially as we see uh, continued conversations about COVID-19 relief and um, the president seeming to push forward with a $1.9 trillion plan. Uh, members of the uh, the Republican caucus in the U.S. Senate have a different plan, uh, but one of the sticking points seems to be uh, $350 billion of direct payments to state and local governments. Uh, is that needed, uh, considering some reports I've seen show that states have actually seen a, a slight increase in revenue for uh, for their operations? Uh, what does that mean for like a state like Illinois? Well, we need to take a step back, Greg, and, and figure out how much of the last package that we put together at the end of last year, how much of that is still left to be given out to address the problems. We can't continue to just pile trillions upon trillions upon trillions. When we came together in a bipartisan way, and I voted for it, uh, to be able to put hundreds of billions of dollars back into uh, the, the, the last round of COVID relief, but we don't know where that money's at. There's fi- over $50 billion still left to go to our educational institutions. There's hundreds of billions of dollars still left in the PPP program that we need to address uh, our small business owners and mom and pop shops. So we need to take a step back and realize what we still have to go to be doled out before we start talking about just unilaterally uh, approving another $1.6, $1.9 trillion package. I'm glad President Biden met with Republican members of the Senate, but he didn't move, even though they offered a very good compromise. And I think it's pretty telling that yesterday the Democrats in the House passed a budget so that they could pass a partisan COVID bill through budget reconciliation. Congressman, um, if Illinois was to get uh, direct payments, uh, what does that do to the state's decades of, of spending policies that doesn't really seem to spend within its means? Well, I'm going to be pretty adamant that we're going to have to have some direct federal control and oversight of those dollars because we've seen that Governor Pritzker and his administration have failed miserably in actually uh, spending the dollars, the the billions that we've given the state in the multiple COVID relief packages since March of last year. Uh, Look at the Illinois Department of Employment Security. You know, many of your listeners know I'm a victim of unemployment, uh, unemployment claim made in my name. It's fraudulent. I had my identity stolen because of that, and I've had to file an identity theft report extended credit freezes on my or credit fraud alerts on my my credit reports the same frustrations that many of you are going through still a lack of response from the department of employment security just like many of your listeners i'm being affected by that too but we gave let's just give this one instance of 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 enhanced unemployment the program that we said was going to get benefits to those who were hurt the most by losing their jobs in a pandemic before the pandemic really hit hard we gave Illinois, the state of Illinois, $42 million 
to implement an unemployment insurance program that was going to work in the midst of an emergency. And we've seen the results, or frankly, the lack thereof results out of the Pritzker administration spending just that pot of money. Why in the world would we give them hundreds of billions of dollars carte blanche to waste and screw up again? Congressman Roddy Davis with us here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Inching closer to a break, but just a couple of more issues here. Um, we've seen some fascinating things on Wall Street uh, in the past uh, week and a half or two weeks or so, uh, dealing with GameStop and uh, stocks and shorts and hedge funds and some kind of uh, uh, bizarre uh, collection of uh, you know uh, Reddit users directing uh, payment or you know buyouts of, of stocks and whatnot. What's going on here, and, and should Congress intervene? In all, or is this just uh, you know the free market and individuals uh, discovering their ability to invest? You know, I, I'm not an expert in in this arena at all. I, I I'm not like Dave Portnoy at Barstool. I don't go day trade stocks, and uh, <laughs> frankly, don't. You can go look at my financial disclosure on clerk.house.gov, and you can see I don't have a lot of direct stocks, and and the ones I do, I don't sell. Um, it's it just be easier that way in my business. So, you know, I don't understand the, you know, what Robin Hood's difference is versus, you know, TD Ameritrade. So uh, should Congress investigate? I don't have the answer, but it doesn't matter because they're going to. And the House Financial Services Committee is going to call uh, witnesses in front of that committee to, to investigate and to get answers. And I'll be interested to, to see what some of those responses are. Should there be regulations, though, on these apps and retail investors' ability to purchase whatever they want? Well, we are a free market country. That's what makes the stock market so great. Is you you have a right to to purchase and and do it in a way that you think you're gambling to to make some money. I mean, people don't invest in the stock market to stay. To people don't invest in our stock market. Invest in America's economy and believing in American companies unless they think they're going to get a return on it. So we have to be very careful to ensure that we don't limit what we're capable of in this country of growing through our economy and allowing people to grow in their retirement plans or 401ks or just, you know, in, in, if, if that's their interest in trading stocks, hey, let, let's not hinder their ability to do that. But if there are questions that need to be answers, answered and uh, regulations that need to be considered, Now's the time to figure it out. But I'm afraid, though, Greg, it's going to just get caught up in partisanship out here, just like just like, uh, you know, basic basic house operations issues are, are being caught up now. Congressman, finally here, it is Black History Month. You've been integral in getting recognition of the 1908 race riot site here in Springfield. Where are we at on that? You know, we're, we're in a, a much better place than we were a few years ago. And, and just so your listeners re- remember, Artifacts were unearthed during the rail project over on Carpenter Street a few years ago when they put that underpass in, and we wanted to make sure that they got the recognition they deserve. We've been working with the local NAACP. We've been working with our our, uh, uh, Department of Interior officials. Uh, Secretary Bernhardt, he made sure that those artifacts and that site was listed on the African-American Civil Rights Network at the National Park Service. But we think that the next step is to make it a national monument, and it's, it's, it's... it will work because it's a few blocks away from the Lincoln home site, which is a historic district anyway. Why not have the Department of Interior manage both of those to tell our complete story about addressing race relations in, 
in Springfield, Illinois, and in the Midwest. We have gotten the next step where Interior, Department of Interior is going to do another study that's necessary to get us to that designation. I'm glad we have bipartisan support on this. I really want to thank Senator Duckworth for her leadership in working with us. Um, and we're going to continue to invite President Biden to visit the race right side and my good friend and former co- and current colleague, who's about to be former colleague, Deb Holland. Uh, she is going to be the next Secretary of Interior, and I think she's a great nominee for that position, Greg. Congressman, that's all the time we've got. Greatly appreciated. Be safe out there. Congressman Rodney Davis here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Hey, thanks, Greg. Take care. You too.